Let us be attentive. God is wonderful among his saints. Bless God in the congregation. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's second letter to Timothy. Let us be attentive. Timothy, my son, you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, my sufferings, what befell me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil men and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceivers and deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to, to instruct you for salvation. Through faith in Christ Jesus. Peace be to you, the reader. Alleluia, alleluia. standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat, and when he had ceased speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish, and as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down on Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all who were with him, at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. Glory to Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sometimes it's hard to believe or even accept the fact that God is both all good and all powerful. I think we have a tendency, and again, this would be a part of our own fallen nature, but if so many bad things happen to, let's say, us and loved ones and just people in general around the world, 
then how can God be all good if he allows that? We can also question if he's, like we say that he's not necessarily all good, but he's all powerful, then why doesn't he stop such things from happening? And in our own minds, we have a real struggle with that because we seek to understand something that doesn't, at least in our own human understanding, make any sense whatsoever. So we're trying to make sense of something that's very difficult. And this is a place and a time in our own mind, in our own thoughts, where the devil will really step in to create even more confusion. There are those who, who struggle with this more than others. And probably as a priest, this is one of the things that I'm confronted with when I speak with people um, in the confession or outside of the confession as to why there is such suffering and things in the world. To them, if I were to say that we serve and have a very merciful and loving God who cares deeply for us, they can accept that to a certain extent. But then there's this question and this doubt, again, as to if he truly is that way, then why do we suffer? I guess we could extend that question to why then did God send his only son, as we read in the Creed, to be incarnated through the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit, to take on flesh, to live amongst us, to suffer throughout his life, especially his public ministry, to be crucified in the most horrific way, to die, to be buried, and to rise, and then to ascend into heaven. All of these things are things that our Lord did, not for his sake, but for our sake. So we don't have a cold, calculating, judgmental God who sits into the distant heavens, who says, you're all fine, you're all good, I know what you're feeling. We have a God who took on flesh and became a man and who suffered with us. So he knows our suffering. The question is, do we know his suffering? We identify tremendously with our own suffering, but I think we have a challenge when it comes to really identifying with how he suffered. Because people, I believe, we don't even come close to suffering in the way that our Lord suffered in the flesh. And so we don't have a God who, as it says, is indifferent, but who really, really knows. And this, to me, is something I take great comfort in, because I know I'm not praying to a God who is off and out there, but a God who stands here present. The tragedy is that we are not able at times to see Christ in our suffering. We see us in our suffering, but we wonder where Christ is. And there begs, there, there begs the question, is he all powerful? Is he all good? I don't think so sometimes. But if we were to, to think for a moment that it's not about not suffering that would justify in our mind his goodness and his power, but the fact that when we suffer, he suffers with us. And he has suffered for us. And in our suffering, he's constantly present. And that's one thing the devil does not want us to believe, ever. That he is present with us in our suffering. And this is a tragedy because herein lies, I think, the crux, really, of, of our own salvation. Because if we can't make meaning of suffering, and we can't understand it through the lens of Christ's suffering, we will lose thousands of opportunities in our lifetime to be filled with the grace of God. Because the grace of God comes through that acceptance and understanding that if this is happening, God permits it for my salvation and he's with me in it. Day after day, moment by moment, minute by minute, and second by second. He's never absent because we don't worship an indifferent God. God invites all of us 
to go out into the deep and to have faith and to cast ourselves, as it were, into him. As he told Peter or Simon and the others to go out and to cast their net into the, into the ocean where they had been all night long. And each time they pulled up their net, they had nothing. So it was a bad night. And when dawn came, they came back, they started making their way back to the shore. And that was, that was their trip. That was their fishing trip. They were done. And perhaps they'd go out the next night. But our Lord said, I want you to go back out and I want you to cast the net. And, and Simon's first response was, we were doing this all night long. Why would it be different? Why, why would, if we were to turn around and go back out there in the next 30 minutes, throw our nets down, and all of a sudden catch fish? What's the difference? And then Simon did something beautiful. Something that we need to do when we question Christ, and that is, but I will do it. I will trust you. I will walk out. I will cast my net. If Simon had stopped and said, you know, we cast the net all night, we caught nothing. I, I don't know what you're talking about, but if you think we're going to catch something, you're out of your mind. I'm not going to do it. And I fold up my nets and I go home. I think that's what we do most of the time. But if we imitate Simon and say, you know, it doesn't make sense. We were working. I can't understand it. But if you say that, I'm going to trust that and I'm going to go do that. And that sort of obedience, that sort of love, when they cast that net out there, as we know the rest of the story, they pulled in so much fish that they couldn't even, their boats began to sink. And this is, this is a tremendous story of Christ's compassion, because he knew they had to eat. And not only did they have to eat, but they were feeding other people in their village. So this was important, not just for their own family. He says, I know they had a rough night. So they're going to go back out, and this time they're going to pull in a lot. It's also going to increase their faith in him as a person. And not only that, but Simon went from calling him master to calling him Lord. And we have to make sure that we're not worshiping or praying to a God or believing in a God as master, but as Lord. There's a big difference in that, a huge difference in that. So that transition, that moment in time, he was able to recognize the, the miracle and the power of this man. And so our Lord blessed him. And this is the grace that is open for all of us when we can question, Lord, I don't understand why this is happening, why this happened to my loved one, why it's happening to me, why it's happening to the world. But I will step out and I'll still believe in you and still follow you, even though I can't make sense of it. This is a hard step because our pride and our ego and our own sense of wisdom and knowledge gets in the way. And if we can't make sense of it, we're not going to accept it at all. And this is a tragedy. He invites all of us to have that sort of faith that he had with Peter. And I want to close with this little quote here from one of the fathers of the church. He says, The gentle Lord stands beside the ship owned by each one of us and makes the request. He, the all-seeing creator and sustainer of life, asks each one of you, to let him into your ship and to set forth fearlessly with him out of the shallows and puddles of life into the great depths of the spiritual sea, where he will fill your ship with all the abundance you could ever desire. Let us all obey him now while he is asking. For when he draws, when dawn breaks, we shall no longer see him as a petitioner who's kindly asking to come into our ship,
but we will see him as judge, as he himself says. Let us not reject his request to come into our own hearts and souls, as Peter did not refuse him. For our Lord desires this not for his own sake, but for our sake. Know that it is not easy for the most pure to enter into an impure house and under an impure roof. Know that this is a sacrifice that he makes, but one that he makes out of love for us. He does not ask to come in and take anything from us, but to give to us. He only asks that we permit him and his help and his sacrifice. Let us hearken, my brethren, to the voice of the petitioner before the judge's voice comes to our own ears. We have a lot at stake, and we have a lot of power in our own free will. We have to allow him, by inviting him, into our own hearts and souls so that we can be that obedient servant as Simon Peter was in order to bear the fruits of divine grace in this life. And then literally, the sufferings of this world will seem as nothing. Nothing. You will never, ever, ever complain again of suffering in any form or fashion, whether it's from a person who's persecuting, whether it's an illness, whether it's a worldwide war, whether it's tr whatever it may be, you will always say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Because your faith and trust in him will be great because you invited him in and allowed that grace to fill your heart and enlarge it, as St. Silouan says, enlarge it to such an extent that you will live by faith. Amen.